0: Hey, Zookeepers, it's your middle-favorite Hollywood kaiju bad boy, Martin, and we just had on special returning guest Tyler Jackson to discuss the frustrating film that's far too horny for its pedigree, Blank Check. If you're enjoying Podzuki, please be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or throw us a follow on Spotify. And if you'd ever like to get in touch with us or have something you'd like us to read on an episode, we'll say literally anything you want us to. So feel free to tweet at us at Podzuki on Twitter, or email us at podcast at gmail.com. Hit me with that intro.
1: Render unto Gidro what is Ghidras. 10 to 1, he sees you through a beaker and a tweezers. Read the fine print and be like, what's the big deal? Spun wheels of steel since broke wheel big wheel. Back when it was greasy ass curl, now it's easy dread. Had a rhyme on how to use tease him about his peasy head. Yes, yes, y'all to the beat
2: hey everybody Ooh man that's uh starting it off real chill right away hey everybody hey welcome <laughs> hey, it's, a, it's a second episode of the new year no wait third episode of the new year i can remember how we're doing this as you just got a little peek behind the curtains over here at the, the hollywood kaiju castle uh it's one of the the hollywood bad <laughs> are you having a fucking stroke <laughs> this is every beginning of the episode i feel like we got to do a master edit now you screaming are you having a stroke and me not doing that or the intro properly okay anyways starting again we're (laughs) the only podcast to ever talk
1: about anything i'm one of the kaiju hollywood bad boys brandon kirkman i'm another one of the kaiju hollywood bad boys luke evans flip
0: it's me, your third Hollywood kaiju bad boy, Martin Felshman, and everyone, please give it up right now for our special guest, the illustrious Tyler Jackson.
3: <laughs> oh, the the fourth unknown Hollywood You're very kaiju well bad known. boy You've behind the curtain. Plutonium. This is your <laughs> pulling the levers on the other Hollywood kaiju <laughs> bad a boy.
2: There's the Wizard of Oz situation
3: going on. D-
0: Tyler, this is your third or fourth <laughs> time with us, right?
3: Uh, yeah, I think it's the third. Yeah, yeah. We talked about uh, where there was a Godzilla movie, and then yep. uh, Cat in the Hat, and now this. Now this, now is this big, stinky of, What
0: a beautiful trilogy
3: we've had you here piece for. Piece of trash. I,
2: I you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick it off in a different way. Hi, we're Patsuki. We usually talk about monster movies, kaiju movies. This is definitely a kaiju movie, but in not <coughs> the usual way, you're thinking, what, uh, what made you want to choose this movie?
1: I'm the one who brought it up. What made Luke want to choose this movie? (laughs) Basically, I had a memory of, like, I thought that we'd done this as on the podcast. but that's right. I think what it was just uh, a while back, I watched it with Tyler, and I was just confused. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense, because it's
2: it's a movie that is... Well, I mean, we'll get into it as we get into the actual plot and going on how we felt about it, but this is... It's, it's such a weirdly nihilistic film that it took me back a few steps. Like, there's got to be more to it by the end of it. And then at the end of it, it's like, I'm
1: just sad. I'm just real sad. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, nobody, it's pretty, you know, like, the it's high concept, I guess. Like, oh, you, yeah. really did that. you just want having <laughs> enough money. Like, tons of money. Like, who didn't think about that as a kid? It's, it's very bygone era. Like, you can't really make a movie or a TV show about someone who has all the money in the world, like, you couldn't do Richie Rich now, <laughs> although I guess they did try and do Richie Rich a couple of years ago. Yeah. But yeah. He, was a te- he was like a tech bro. You could. But what about Showtime's <laughs> billions? Oh, yeah. I, I, know, I know they eat on an episode of that.
2: Th- yeah, <laughs> this, this movie for
0: best and for worst is, like, the, the perfect example of, like, wish fulfillment for a kid of that age.
2: Yeah, that's, I'll think of that. Um, we're talking Blank Check, Disney's film from 1994. Interesting thing, I had this idea that it came out after Richie Rich's response to both the popularity of rebooting movies even back then and Macaulay Calkin. But this actually came out before February 1994, and then Richie Rich came out in December 1994. But then again, Disney is an evil corporate machine even back in the 90s, so they might have gotten word that they were making it and they just wanted to get this piece of turd out right away. <laughs> but it's it's a movie... Uh, I mean, we're going to go over the plot and all that like we usually do, but it's a movie about a kid who gets a blood check, and it's in the 90s, and it's made by Disney, so you can, you can imagine how this episode's going to go. If you're surprised at the takes we're about to take, you should just fucking get off, dude. Don't even, don't waste our time anymore. Come on, what are you doing, you piece of shit? I hate you, listener. I hate you.
1: <laughs> what is the kid's name? I can't,
2: I'm blanking on that.
3: Preston. Preston. Preston Waters. Preston. Preston Waters.
2: Good name though. I gotta say, some about it sounds really strong. I don't know why, but I just feel that way.
0: I don't know exactly why, but when I hear that name, I hear of like a dude (coughs) who deals in like vintage sports cards and is also racist.
2: Yeah, or definitely like a character from like a mid two thousands scorsese film
0: for sure. I can see that.
2: Yeah, he's played by uh Brian Bonsall, a child actor who had a rough rough life after that but he's kind of balanced out at this point we have some familiar faces in this the kind of villain of the film is played by miguel Ferrar. uh love i love that guy <laughs> he's such a great actor but why does he always get like the shittiest roles in so many mid-90s to early 2000s i don't pay check it. It it's a paycheck <laughs>
3: This is my introduction to Miguel Ferrer, and I love him in everything. Mm-hmm. Twin Peaks. Oh, buddy, he's Robo-cop? fantastic.
0: Fantastic in RoboCop.
3: RoboCop? Oh, he's awesome. Yeah, he's great in RoboCop. He <coughs> was in the
0: uh,
1: Justice League pilot. Was he? Yeah, he was he a was bad guy. Like, <laughs> he, he sticks out like, oh, hey, it's a guy who's always a villain. I wonder what he's doing. This. <laughs> Don't forget
2: Mr. Magoo, the motion picture. He was in that like
1: Like i get leslie nielsen being in it oh we also can't forget
3: maybe miguel ferrer just aimed low so he could be the best part of almost everything he's in. yeah
1: i definitely get that feeling
2: i mean he's one of my favorite performances (laughs) in twin peaks for sure He, he i think he's just one of those good actors that wants a paycheck and i really respect that too at the same time and then we got we got a few other kind of, like, interesting people that popped up. And I'm going to talk about this after I kind of go through the caster. Tone Locke, what's he doing here? He's having a good time, though, that's for I mean, sure. he's having a great time. Playing, he,
0: he, he apparently got to ad-lib all of his lines, and he's just living it.
2: Yeah, every, every time I see Tone Locke in a role, it's, my reaction is always, oh, it's Tone Locke. I think M-R-N-Y. it's pronounced Locke. Oh, really? I always thought his lines. Totally I've been fucking it up for all these decades.
3: That was terrible. <laughs> I did. I. So he ad libs uh, all of his lines. I, mean, I believe it. Yeah, no, I'm just. Uh, I'm it. assuming. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen. Let, let's just it's, put the uh, his libs Let's just put it out there. They suck. In the I want this movie. to
2: be like added into the Wikipedia and like the IMDb trivia, and we just <sighs> make it fact.
0: Well, I, I'm assuming he's ad-libbing all of his lines because he's like the most natural actor on screen, and he's just having a good time. Yeah,
2: he's definitely. I, I won't fault him in this film. He is a very entertaining part of it, and I think he's having a good time. He's he's not just doing it for the
1: paycheck. He was better he's in tentative. Surf Ninjas, but it's also like
0: wow, what a rare I, I don't think Juju would stuck compliment. around.
1: I think he would have. <coughs> yeah, I think he would have been smarter. Like oh, fuck these white people. I'm getting out of this. I'm not. I'm not being. I'm not being paid. Why does he keep hanging out with Miguel Ferrer and? guy who... The other guy, but he was a...
0: a Bankman. He was
1: in uh, the uh, the American Godzilla. He was the uh, Roger Ebert stand-in. Oh, oh that's yeah. where I fucking uh, knew him Lerner. from. And I remember Roger Ebert being really pissed off, like, <laughs> you got someone pretending to be me to make me look stupid, and I don't get eaten by the fucking monster? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: that would be, like, a lot cooler, actually. <laughs> um, we also have uh, Rick Dekkeman. He's a stand-up comedian from... Uh, the 90s playing the kind of like uh
1: limousine the not john candy
2: the not jo- well no here's what, <laughs> I'm gonna go over this now so we've already gone over a lot of the actors this is like a dime store alternative cast list of like first off brian bonsall obviously they want to get macaulay culkin that's a given <coughs> tone, tone lock which loke. i don't know i've been saying it wrong for a decade <laughs> i'm not gonna change it Tone Tone look obviously they want to get sinbad for that role there's no there's no other way i can look at it for what he's doing, having a fun time. Uh, Henry, the limousine driver. I I was thinking right off the bat, it's a Chris Farley, like no doubt. I don't th- I don't it's think good. it's. It could have been a John Candy though too. I, it could have been either
3: one. Uh, I was I was thinking like John Ritter. Oh
2: yeah, that would have been fun.
3: He's got like a like big. Uh, I don't know. He's giving me big John Ritter yeah. vibes.
2: Uh, the dad played by uh, James Redborn. Obviously, they were they yeah. wanted to get Alan Alda, but they couldn't.
0: Get
2: him. <laughs> <laughs> no way. I think the only one they actually cast in the role that they wanted was Karen Duffy as, uh, you know, uh, one Shay character. Because she's, she's just, like, an attractive interest for our, our, our main character. He's, like, seven or eight? Was he? No, he's 11. This movie, okay, we let's, let's start summarizing it. Because it goes into so many weird places, and I want to talk about so many things that happen. We've gone over the cast. The director, though, I think we do need to get into really fast. Which is insane to me, because it's Rupert Wainwright, and when you say that, you say, wait, Rupert Wainwright, the director of The Fog 2005? Wait, Rupert Wainwright, director of Stigmata from <laughs> the famous, 1999? The famous maker of music videos for N.W.A. and Michael Jackson? Yeah, it's that guy. Wow. It's real fucked up. I only know that name, too, because he also directed uh, Hammer Don't Hurt Him, the, the direct-to-home video of MC Hammer. <laughs> Please, Hammer, don't hurt him. Please, Hammer has
3: some respect. I recognize the name because I loved his uh, his piano playing. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's Rufus Wainwright's <laughs> dad, right? That's the guy. <laughs> yeah, 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 they're they're all related. All the Wainwrights.
2: Yeah, they're all running Hollywood like the fat cats they are. Not fair.
3: <laughs> it's a big stereotype about <laughs> yeah. the Wainwrights.
2: I'm in Q9, but just forgets the Wayne rights which are running a pedophile ring. prove it by yelling on the. Internet. Oh,
0: you want to talk um, pedophile rings?
2: Yeah, we need to get into the plot. <laughs> Perfect segue <laughs> into the plot of this so movie. So we are presented with the beginning of this film of 11-year-old Preston Waters and he is a big turd. There's like they they don't do anything such a sh- such, such a shit. shitty kid, they don't don't such like a that. shitty family. You know
0: they don't do anything really
2: like saving the cat from the tree or anything to like redeem him as like a good character you want to follow on an adventure. They don't, the thing is like, I feel like these movies of this time period would always have like the shitty kid has at least one friend that's like good to him and they're kind of best buds. He doesn't even have any friends. He's such a fucking loser. Yeah, he really <laughs> I mean, is no.
1: just alone all the time.
3: Okay, did did you use the uh, saving the cat thing on purpose there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, are you gonna save that for later to talk about the screenwriter of the yeah. movie? Yeah. yeah. We're, okay. We're going go oh, to
0: excited for whatever this um. is.
3: <laughs> oh, oh, it's good.
2: <laughs> so we, uh, we, we get into the introduce him. They're showing him like basically rehearsing a speech to ask his dad if he can have his own bedroom, which is
1: well, he already has his own bedroom. Yeah, it's just take has over to share his room okay. for their business that they never exactly say what the business is. Uh, foot in hand, which I guess
2: is just them to do like a fun like secret friend handshake between brothers. Oh, it's, they don't
3: really ever explain it. It's after real that.
0: fucked up, but they actually had the first OnlyFans account.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is It seemed like a odd job. Probably, yeah, those jobs did get odd. Well it's only it's only there so that
1: <laughs> there's an excuse why there's a computer in his room, which he couldn't have just had a computer. Yeah. It was 1994. Yeah. That would have been weird.
0: It's, it's weird how he just knows how to use it. Like, he apparently has to teach his older brothers how to use the computer, and then he also never does. <coughs>
2: okay, I guess I should just get into what I was alluding at earlier. The screenwriter of this, too, is Blake Snyder, um, just because he's very famous for his Save the Cat, the last book on screenwriting you'll ever need, which I think has been made fun of by everyone possible at this point. <laughs> like... <laughs> when you first start writing, a lot of people either recommend it or just tell you to read it to make fun of. It's it's one of those interesting things of like he also introduced a software just for it too. He's just a real weird dude, just a super weird dude. It's
3: yeah, it's insane that like one of like the. You know, most successful like script writing coaches in Hollywood. You're like, oh man, he's so good. Oh, his class helped me. Oh yeah, what what movies did he write? Oh, he wrote Blank Check and Stop. Or my mom will shoot. <laughs> like, like what? I no. really hate that we mentioned this because I think for sure
2: we're gonna have to do don't stop or stop or My mom will shoot in the future.
3: <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's gonna happen. I'm surprised we haven't done any Sylvester. Spoiler shooting. alert! <laughs> she yeah. He, it, it. it, I feel like this also is like a symbol of like I don't get how anybody could take him seriously if this is one of his examples because this is a plot and writing that goes nowhere. And once again, he has a whole book about how you have to have a save the cat scene, where just basically your your main hero or character doing something heroic, so that's why you want to follow them. This character doesn't do it the entire film, so I wonder if he's, like, trying to turn expectations on people's heads. Like, I don't, I don't get
1: where he was going with this script at any point. This is a little bit of a caveat, but, uh, Sylvester Stallone is fucking ugly. I'm just looking. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's, like, it, think... it's, it's like his face it shr- it shrinks the older he oh, gets. Wait, wait, okay. I, like, I always <laughs> figured he's like if you described an alien to describe what a human would look like, but you only described a human too.
2: You know like he has like something like, in, uh, in his
1: contracts well. where like he can't, no one can be taller than him how, how, in his movies. How, yes. how
0: recent is this picture of of Sly Stallone that you're looking at?
1: just uh, it's, it's the first one that popped up. I was like looking up the the, the uh, that screenwriter, and then stop, my mom will shoot. And it's just, I guess it's whatever is like. Whereas Liz lists like everybody that's in the movie, and also Thomas Hobbes for some reason. Okay. I don't know why that's trending on here.
0: Yeah, no, he's looking like an old beat-up of cauliflower right now. He used to look real handsome,
3: though.
1: Yeah, I've seen uh, Death Race 2000. Mm. Death Race
2: 2000.
3: Yeah. Fucking rules, dude. If you should talk that movie... Machine Gun Joe <laughs> Turbo. If you should
2: talk that movie, I'm stopping this podcast right now. <laughs> I'm going to kill myself. <coughs> <laughs> it's so much I love it. I'm not going to put it on you. I put it on myself. Doctor Dr. Yeah, Frankenstein. Run
1: around, <laughs> stuff. yeah, with a with a grenade in his hand. <laughs> <That's so cute. laughs> Everything about the movies. Roger, Co- Ro- uh,
3: Roger Corman like made a sequel to it later, and it's not the one oh, with Jason it's Statham. Good. It's very no, like Rod, like Roger Corman oh. himself, like made a follow up, like in sometime in like the 2010s, oh, I think, or something, and it's because they not,
1: did do the a remake of it, very like Jason Statham, right? Yeah, they did. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, and like. I think Ving Rames might be in it or something. I don't know. Set in like a prison mm. island. Yeah, for those
2: mid-2000s, know. he's coming off hot after that uh, Dawn of the Dead remake, which he was great in, and everybody's like, we gotta get Ving Rames in this. <laughs> and everybody's like, okay, we're done. Thank you, Ving Rames. <laughs> we had a good run. Anyways, to get back to this plot, he's rehearsing this. We get to introduce his brothers. They bully him. We all agree with his brothers. We want to bully him too. He's a real turd. We don't like him. Um, <laughs> his dad comes in, and then like, they have the usual conversations where, like, he asks him and his dad says he just needs to be patient. If he <laughs> wanted to do whatever you want, he should get a, his own roof over his head. But he also makes a weird aside. I don't know if you guys picked this up, but when he's talking about the computers, like, these computers can do everything uh, except for teach you how to make love to a woman. And I'm like, yeah, hey, he does listen say, to I remember this, that. Uh, <laughs> listen to this virgin yeah, knowing yeah. that he can get pornography
3: on this computer. What a stupid idiot. <laughs> <laughs> what a piece of shit. Spoke. Sp- He said that like a man that's tried. Like, computer, computer, help me. Where do I put my penis? I've had three kids, but I don't know where they came from. I don't know what my wife's doing. Um, Of of course, clearly what that means is the dad isn't making, hasn't ever made love to the mom. He's (laughs) fucked. What if this was an
2: excellent film about cucking? What if? (laughs) <laughs> we're, we're, really, Cucked by Macintosh. we're really regressing in 2022 that's our new theme for the year 2022 for podzuki it's all about regression uh, by the end of the year it's just going to be a saying the fuck <laughs> the fuck word over and over again i just called that for the fuck word. Oh boy. okay let's get back on track um, they they introduced the concept of the film like eight minutes in of like he gets a check from his grandmother for his birthday after uh going to his i guess not his friends but his adversary once again he has no friends but he gets invited to like a fellow schoolmate's birthday party and his parents don't give him any money to get tokens to go on the rides because i guess his parents hate him who cares uh, it's just him watching them have fun and he's just like i wish i had and money. that's not true and he gets his home. dad
0: gives him six dollars which is an absolute slap in the face because every good ride is at least seven That's right,
2: I forgot about that stupid part. Um, He gets home and he gets a a check from his grandmother for his birthday and it's blank. And his dad's like, oh, it's a blank check. You can uh, write whatever amount you want in it. I'm like, okay, this script writer is really good at what he does. (laughs) Because it's like, giving us the titular line eight minutes in, just in case we lost the thread of the plot already. We are also showing it the whole... The whole time this is going on in the background, in fact, it's the first scene of how the movie opens. Uh, Miguel Ferrar's character, who's known as Carl (coughs) Quigley, has gotten loose from prison. He stashed away some, I guess, uh, counterfeit bills that he wants
1: to kind of get uh, put into this bank. He has to launder it. Yeah, Yeah. but it's also, yeah,
3: he's like... It's like marked money.
1: Yeah, but he's also, like, he's escaped from prison, and he's not, like... (coughs) doing a low profile at all Uh, he's
2: like he's doing the classic 90s bad guy thing of like smoking big ass cigars wearing flashy suits attempting to buy the ugliest house oh yeah ever that is not the ugliest house ever
0: and also i i think we all remember that in the early 90s uh 90 of the u.s population was movie villains it was very easy to blend in that way if you just have a big cigar and a big tie and sunglasses (laughs) yeah according to the census
3: (laughs)
2: <laughs> and it's, I I think another thing I always forgot about, too, is every scene that an attractive, or I wouldn't even say attractive, a living woman walks by him, he's literally hitting on them, trying to slap their ass, saying something extremely sexist, and it's like, I know he's supposed to be the bad guy, and they're setting us up for this, but, like, also, the kid kind of is doing the same thing every scene to any type of attractive woman that comes by. So I guess everybody's just an evil predator. <laughs> like, that's just the it is. It's a world of monsters and no gods.
0: The film is far hornier than I re- And I, I remember this film being horny as a kid, but it's, like, even hornier than I remember.
1: He's a very horny child. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's the audio clip for the week. Gotta get that out. Um... <laughs> I mean there's a there's a there's a character that's bright red hair named Butch who just follows Preston around the whole movie. I mean that's the horniest thing I've ever yeah. heard. He's
2: like some type of evil Greek chorus condensed into one channel. And I really like that about him. I'm <laughs> like just like, look at this fucking idiot and I'm like, man, I kinda of agree with this kid. In fact, the the whole kind of like what sets off this whole movie is he runs into that kid. They're like having an argument or something, and he's getting ready to bike home. And then uh, Carl quickly backs his uh, backs his car out really fast, and uh, the kid has to get out of the way. He runs over his bike, and like the police are coming, so he just wants the kid to shut up. So he gives him like, a blank check. He's like, "You know what to do with it." And I'm like, "Oh my oh, god!" He said his dad
1: it, will know what to do with it.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if if not his dad, then ask the computer, right? <laughs> it's such a stupid setup for the movie, and like it's it's enough to like you think that they would kind of have a better way for him to get into the million, but this is how they're doing it. He goes home and he, like, writes in a million dollars after thinking about it on his computer. And then he shows up to the bank the next day. I should say earlier, he went to the bank on the first day to cash the first check he got. That's where we're introduced to Shay, who's playing by Karen Duffy.
1: Um, She's an FBI agent. What was she doing? Like, why was she
2: there? I think she was off-duty to flirt with 11-year-olds. So, um... (laughs)
3: She was un- undercover at the yeah. bank.
2: He he basically wanted to open a savings account. He had at $200, so he couldn't do that. So he walks out in shame, but he comes back the next day now with this million-dollar check. We're thinking uh, the audience at home is like, oh, there's no way he's going to be able to cash it. An older lady grabs him and takes him up to see our other villain of the film, which is Edward Bitterman, played by Michael Lerner. He is basically a corrupt bank teller, and you know that he's corrupt because he's fat, and he's evil because it's the 90s, and that's how <laughs> they did characters. Boy, do I hate that. It's, oh, man. I guess they don't body shame him too much in this film, but there's definitely a few scenes where like, he's supposed to be chasing the kid, and they just like have him eat a big ol' snack. And I'm just... Once again, I'm going back to the fact this was written by a guy who's famous for telling people how to make screenplays. I, I
0: think they made him more of a coward than outright evil. Because, like, he's only chasing the kid because he's threatened by the other guy, but he's also, like, not enough of a man to do a good thing. Yeah. I think he's supposed to just be a representation of
3: sloth. Yeah. It's a very <laughs> biblical film. I think my favorite Biederman moment is <laughs> is, uh, is is that check cashing scene where, like, <laughs> Preston gives him the check, and it just does like a close up of him, of his mouth, a close up of Bitterman's mouth, and he like licks his lips. Yeah, he sticks his tongue out. Juice. <laughs> <laughs> just we get a huge takes up the whole screen. His mouth juice.
2: <laughs>
3: Great, perfect, perfect oh, yeah.
2: moment. A plus film. So yeah, he he goes up and he's he's introduced to Edward Bitterman, and basically. The kid, by kind of like trying to be coy, ends up making it seem like he's the the pickup man that Carl set up to come get his money. So he gives him the million dollars because he thinks that he's supposed to be like the drop-off kid, whatever. And he runs off with it. He runs into Tone Loke and he's like, hey, get out of my way, kid, or I'm going to beat the shit out of you. I mean, it's different words, but he basically is saying that. He, he runs off and then, you know, Tone Loke's character, which is just known as Juice, uh, basically gets upset because he... He realizes that he's given him the wrong money to the wrong person. Then eventually Carl gets in it, and now we got our three wacky villains looking to find this kid. (laughs) And boy, they can't find him because they're fucking stupid. (laughs) I mean... I know that they have to wait because they have they want to advance the plot. I get that. But like they, they have a picture of the kid and they still can't find him. They literally just go to random parks and theme parks to try to find the kid. Like I know this is before internet times, but that's that's not how you do it. <laughs> like maybe go after the person who just bought like a million dollar house with like a freaking fake. <laughs> I don't know. Some connections should have been made there. Um, As soon as the kid gets home, he's basically rolling in the dough. We uh, now have a millionaire. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Literally. They play money, that's what I want, because you have to in a film like this. It's against the law not to. They basically do a progression of like he buys a mansion where, uh, once again, Carl's there himself trying to buy the mansion as Wait, well. Wait, can we talk yeah, about we kind of a coincidence?
0: Can, can we can we yeah. talk about this? Someone who was suffering from dementia and was like, "Of course, I live in a castle." And they renovated their like corner home, and then now someone has to sell that. Yes, it's beautiful.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the whole scene is in, the whole scene is like completely insane because it's uh... he. He doesn't want to use his real voice because he's a kid and he can't buy houses house as a kid, which I think is one of the reasons our nation is so corrupt. Um, if a kid can buy a house, let him buy a house. That's what I stand saying. But they, he uses a, a robot voice through his Macintosh they get in an argument, eventually he wins it, and they're like, oh, what's your name? And he looks, he does the classic 90s thing, if he looks around the room, he looks down at his computer, that's a macro... He Mac K- shows it? Yeah, he shows it. He looks down, and he sees his computer's called a Macintosh <laughs> Performa 4300 or whatever. So he's like, uh, Mr. Macintosh. And... <laughs> <laughs> and that's the kind of running gag in the movies that he's working for
1: this made-up character. Well, all the, all the adults are so stupid. Like, yeah. no, nobody figures out like Macintosh isn't real, is it? Yeah. Just this kid walk around like, oh, you can't meet Mr. Macintosh, but only I can talk to him. And this was in a, a day and age where
2: Michael Jackson was king, so everybody thought that kid liaisons for rich people was a common thing. They didn't really need to question it. That's a real dark joke. Don't know, too much, but anyways. <laughs> <laughs> he uh he starts buying a bunch of shit. He gets his own personal driver, which is when we are introduced uh, once again uh, Henry, who's played by Rick Deckard. <coughs> and uh, I felt so similar.
1: bad for that guy because, like you know, he's thinking like, oh, this is my this is my break. This is my big break. Being in blank. Well, check. here's the
2: thing he i think he does a decent job of acting in the film and even it comes off as this like sympathetic like wow this kid's real pathetic i'll be his buddy and try to give him some life tips and he starts just feeling really bad for the kid because even even like the friend chauffeur character in this film is like man kid you gotta like figure something out or get some friends you you really are just doing nothing for yeah yourself. this
0: guy fucking sucks he's talking like an <laughs> incel he's can, can i tell you all the terrible nickname i gave to him because i couldn't remember his real name yeah. I called him Fish Charlie because he's just an off-brand Chris Farley.
2: <laughs> Fish Charlie's really good. Fish Charlie. <laughs> Put him in your, uh, your aquarium of shame. <laughs> get the oh, can we,
0: it really, can we a jingle be, for uh, a Aquarium of Shame? I want that to be a new uh, new bit.
2: I, well, I actually had a new bit that I feel like kind of goes into the Aquarium of Shame. Maybe we should just <laughs> mishmash them together, which is I decided to write down every cliche as the film was going on. Clichés everywhere, but we don't care, but we don't care at all. Let me just go over the list real quick here that I have. So I have Bully Brothers, very common one in the 90s. Let's see, we have Splash With Water because he's like watching kids have fun. You gotta do that. I just put Horny Kid, which was like a pretty common cliche in the mid 90s. Um, milk money. a dad screaming a, a dad screaming you're on thin ice that's another fun one you get two montages in this film not just one montage which is always fun you have an alias that you get from just looking around in a room for an object that's fun popping a balloon with a cigarette or cigar that's what every big villain was doing back in the 90s to make a kid cry i,
1: I did laugh when he did that i was
2: like that was it was a pretty good scene <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, another uh, another common cliche this time is I'll fuck you when you're an adult a la
3: Big <laughs>
0: uh,
3: come see me in oh 10 yeah. years
2: though so you gotta give it up to Big because they actually did fuck <laughs> man we gotta, we gotta watch Big eventually talk about that because that whole scene and that whole breakdown holy shit going back what were they doing oh man I'm just laughing, thinking about that.
3: Oh, man.
2: <laughs> oh, okay, and then finally you have the, the the chauffeur with the heart of gold. Yeah, these are all the cliches I wrote down as we were watching this.
3: <laughs> I definitely have some favorite 90s things about this movie. Yeah, go for it. Number one being that they use a lot of like the I I don't know I don't know what the technique is called but I call it like wobble 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 cam <laughs> like it's it's like a it's like a very like MTV thing where like to show that something's like crazy awesome they just like zoom in and out on it really fast and like I imagine that the camera's like wobble 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 <laughs> whoa like they they do that so much in this I, movie I love it's the awesome. Of...
0: I love the amount of wubba-wubba-wubba-cam that they have in this movie. I do not like that no (laughs) actor has, like, the physicality to do anything during those scenes. Because they're just, like, standing around and shifting around slowly. (laughs) If anyone was a more physical actor, I think it would have been way better.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, somebody (laughs) could have definitely sold that. It made me really appreciate it. I feel like we're kind of going through the plot because I feel like after he gets the money and he starts buying all the stuff, it goes off the reels. And like I said, there's two montages in this film because it's like... It's so obvious they had this idea. They walked into the boardroom and were like, okay, get ready for this. We're just going to tell you the title of the film. Blank check. A kid gets a blank check and he becomes a millionaire. And everybody in the boardroom's like, yeah! Hell yeah! Great idea! And they gave him all the money. And then he's like, oh no, I have to write up a plot for this. Oh no. What have I done? Like...
3: It would be so funny if this movie was, like, written by a kid, and then he actually got a million dollars, and then and then later they made, like, a documentary about <laughs> what happened to him when he got a million dollars. <laughs> and they called it, like, the real blank check or something. And it's just very sad. You well, know,
1: you'd think with a movie like this, the
3: <laughs> message should be, like,
1: money can't buy happiness, and I guess they kind of get to that, but it's just sort of not. Like, he, he spends a lot of money on, like cake and ice cream and putting a, a a water slide onto his ugly house that he bought but yeah. <laughs> then, then he just then he just runs out of money like he throws himself a birthday party for Mr. McIntosh but he throw it ends up being like a party that an adult would want not a kid would want yeah
2: that that was really confusing to me because like even at the beginning of that whole transaction of that one uh what's the one woman's name I got pulled up in here that you've yeah,
1: what accent was she trying to do yeah, I, I didn't get that performance at all. <laughs> I, I kept thinking, like, is this offensive?
0: I, I thought the exact same thing.
1: Priestian. Yeah, should, <inaudible> should I be upset? I don't know. I got to talk to Mr.
0: McIntosh.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's just, like, very weird voice that she's I doing. Do, it,
2: it does entertain me because I like the idea that she showed up on the set that day. And she's like, I got an idea for this character. And the director's like, I don't give a shit. Do whatever you want. <laughs>
3: I'm taking a big swing.
2: <laughs> and I think it did pay off because it did make it like really memorable. But yeah, like he sets up a whole party for Macintosh's birthday as he's starting to go through all of his funds and it's kind of like coming up to the climax of the film. And like she's asking him about like what he wants to do for the party and if he has any friends. He's like, "No, not really. I don't have any." And it's never like, "Okay, well even if that's true, wouldn't you want to be like, okay, well here's the things I want to do for my big birthday party." So it's <coughs> fun. But it's just like an old, boring person party when it actually comes about later on. It's just a gala. It's
0: like I've, yeah, it's just. I want to get these older people who I don't know laid, <laughs> and have them yell at me yeah. at a party.
2: Actually, that that makes a good
1: guess.
3: <laughs> It'd be funny if Preston like inadvertently threw an orgy and he's like, this isn't what I wanted at all. And a bunch of dudes in like monkey masks are like, shut up, kid. It's like,
2: I was a horny kid, but not this horny. This sucks. <laughs> yeah, it just turns into Shining. Eyes wide, check.
3: <laughs> turns
2: into Shining film and just gives us the Kubrickian stare halfway through. Uh, that would be a good film, man. Yeah. So, at this point in the film, too, there have been uh, a lot of run ins with the villains. They're kind of hot on his tail, but they keep losing him. Uh, just, there's too many stupid sequences of them, him, like losing him, where I don't even want to go into it. It's just, I've seen this too many times in a plot because I grew up in the 90s, and every movie was doing this, and I hate it.
0: The, the one in the park is really fun because they're still trying to keep a low profile, but they just, like, they wreck so much shit.
2: Yeah, and also, just to start it off, they're driving a car through a park. <laughs> so that's that's uh very hard to keep a low profile i I also
0: i I do appreciate that there's one person uh so uh preston whatever the fuck his name is he he drops his backpack at one point and that still has like a shit ton of money in it and like some random guy picks it up and like takes a big chunk of money out of there and then like they don't follow that guy or what happened to that money
2: he just he gives a look to the camera where i really expected him at least for one second to go like gnarly dude like I, 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 I just have to
0: imagine there's like a cut of film out there where he dies of a heroin overdose
2: I want to see the unrated version of Blank Check <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Blank Check oh, uncensored man, I, can't, I, I can't wait to get to some of the, the wild things that are written about this film later here too but yeah, so getting back to that, this is all that's been kind of going on. He's been spinning his fortune. He got, like, a crazy virtual reality thing. He's got a water slide in his castle. It's finally kind of getting to the point where he's, like, too deep into the lie that he's doing Mr. Macintosh, so he's throwing a big birthday party for him on the same day that's his birthday party. Once again, he has no friends, so nobody really shows up other than his dad to be like, hey, I wish you'd let my kid come home so that he could, like, spend time with his family. And the kid's like, me too, dad. But he turns around too late, and his dad's <laughs> running off.
0: Oh yeah, his dad fucking bolted out of that room so he wouldn't.
2: Yeah, we need to talk about that. Because he like he he finishes his speech and like not even five seconds. Like I'd say two seconds later he turns around to say, like, Dad, I'm right here and his dad's already out there. So he like goes down the stairs and he's like calling for his dad and running after him, but like they're making it seem like his dad was already too far away where he couldn't hear him, so I have to assume that his dad is the flash, which is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> These background storylines going on that we didn't get to see, of the one guy getting addicted to the heroin, his dad being the Flash, <laughs> Karen Duffy's character, Karen Duffy's, or Karen Duffy's character going to various banks to hit on eleven-year-olds, you know. Just there's a lot of fun things we didn't get to see. As he's running after his dad at this party, the three villains show up and they do a big chase sequence in the in the castle that he bought, where basically he outwits them, but eventually. It's the classic thing where hubris befalls on our hero when he comes into the the, the grass. Oh yeah, the firm. Home Alone
1: scenes. Like it becomes Home Alone for
3: like mm-hmm. fifteen minutes because
1: mm-hmm. it has to. That's my other.
3: That's my other favorite nineties cliche about this movie is that there's a Home Alone style trap sequence yeah. at the end to, of the movie. Give...
0: It just comes out of nowhere. Just like as... it's,
3: the rest of the movie is not like that. It's it's not.
0: Yeah. But to give was, credit it... to this movie, they do have one good set piece for. I, I kind of it feels like biblical torture almost what happens. Oh, <laughs> well, when he puts the
2: virtual reality headset no, 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 on the dude no, the, the other thing, dinging in the balls with a with the bat
0: Oh change. no, the last thing where he like locks him in that steel ball and then drives him around the racetrack. <laughs> oh,
3: <yeah. laughs> Yeah, where he murders Miguel Ferrer <laughs> in a swimming pool.
2: <laughs> That's what I'm giving in this film. Five out of five kids That's, murdered. Um,
0: oh, okay, we didn't talk about how fucking bloodthirsty this kid was. Do you remember the first thing he wished for? Oh, yeah, to kill that his, his brothers. Brother. Yeah, to kill his brothers. Again, the Bible. <laughs> yeah. What
2: if this kid's just an allegory for God and actually, I take it back, uh, the screenwriter... Uh, Blake Schneider is actually a genius.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is actually just a retelling hey of the Old Testament.
3: You guys know what Old Testament what? God's got? <laughs> <laughs> style. <laughs> oh, man.
2: I should put that down in my cliches, too, of characters having a weird saying between each other. Yeah, um, like, that's like not a thing saying that. I also... <laughs> no, nobody says I also that. realized the fact that like Home Alone and that, that trope was popular in the 90s, which was younger kids tricking adults into hurting themselves severely which was something we loved as a country like it's it's so wild to me
3: yeah that's why it was legally required in every children's movie from 1992 Mm -hmm. to 1995 (laughs) this kid
2: doesn't hurt an adult i'm not watching
3: this
2: (laughs) i need to see the tables turned let's see so they they catch him and eventually right as things are about to go really bad for the kid shay shows up and she's actually an fbi plant and as he's like trying to get out of it and admitting all of his crimes, Carl decides that he's actually Mr. Macintosh because if he uses that I guess fake identity he can get out of his other crimes. But um if you still do crimes as a fake name, those crimes still go on. You do like, I don't know what your your train of thought on that was. Real weird.
1: This film man. Well really he should have known by that point, like, okay, maybe Macintosh is someone I don't want to be. Mm-hmm. Like
3: yeah.
1: the FBI were there.
3: I think it was like that uh, Macintosh had become like the talk of the town because I think this is like supposed to be like a small oh. town in Indiana and Macintosh, um, like everybody knew who Macintosh was after like you know a few days of him moving in and Biederman at one point is like just say you're Macintosh. Macintosh could run for mayor here everybody it's, loves it it's him.
0: beautiful it's like a it's like analogous to the great Gatsby
3: Oh, shit, is this also the
2: great Gatsby annual <laughs> Okay, Blake Snyder is, I mean, he's, he's a stoked <laughs> at this point. The, the Blaine? <laughs> oh, oh, we're onto something. Uh, so, yeah, they, they basically, Preston gets to say all of his goodbyes to everybody and has a little scene with Shay where they they kiss a little too much. You know, I feel like there's, like, there's like a <laughs> cute little homage where, like, a little peck on the cheek, like, oh... I'll, I'll see you in 10 years, and then you know that she's not going to come back. But she kisses like she means it. And that made me really uncomfortable, guys.
3: I thought she kissed him on the mouth. Yeah, just
2: full tongue going it. Oh, boy, I shouldn't describe it too much. It's going to make it even worse.
3: <laughs> well, she's like, come see me in 10 years, and he haggles her down. <laughs>
2: Actually, the legal age in Indiana is 17. So let's talk your sister. Come on.
3: No, no,
0: no. She made sure she <laughs> oh, wouldn't God. be back to get him until until he was 18. And it's still weird, but we're not allowed to say anything about it because it's technically not illegal.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the legal age in Indiana? I'm gonna look. That I'm like 12. Go I don't computer. fucking
0: know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> gonna go. You're just ruining your search history for this baby. <laughs> legal age of consent in Indiana oh my god 16 that is fucked up what the shit Indiana oh boy
3: There's if there's Preston on the water <laughs> but...
0: <laughs>
2: that's the saying I believe and I shouldn't have looked that up I thought it was going to be a funny thing but now it just made me sad that happens so much in these episodes so he comes back home to his family he realizes that money can't buy you happiness and it's really family that matters but we all know that the true message of this film is just complete nihilism of like money is what everything's about and when you have it you'll never truly be happy and when it goes away you're not going to be happy either. So what's the point of anything really? In a <laughs> heartless capitalist society you were just made to be a, a cog that's grinded until there's no more teeth on your gear to grind on to anything else. And even if you're at the top of the chain you'll still never really have enjoyment. So it's all a pointless gesture until eventually heat death consumes us. And that's blank check. Yeah. Sounds about
3: right. But I feel like I... I think it's summation. I feel like I
2: did too much talking on this, so I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in the reviews here, and I will let I'm gonna let Luke kick it off, and I'm gonna say uh, five out of five kid kisses. What do you give this film?
1: Uh, I'll give it uh, three kid kisses. You know, it's, it's, it's a fine movie. I mean, it's exactly what you remember it being. I mean, it's not a good movie, but it's also like it, I remember it was like a big deal when it came out. Yeah, there's a lot of marketing for it, for sure.
2: I I almost want to be like, is there a Happy Meal toy for this? I feel like it always would kind of like tie it to me as a kid.
1: I do. I remember when we watched this, we my family, we uh, ordered it off a of pay-per-view. It's pretty cool. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, uh, three kid kisses. I don't know. It's like, it's fine. How do we feel about this rating system, by the way? I don't I like
0: it. it was... I don't like it one bit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. okay, let's do this five out of
2: five murderous intent child.
0: <laughs> okay, uh... I, I want to give this film, I'm, I'm going to give it a solid two hit jobs out on my older brothers who are terrible out of five. I didn't dislike this movie. I, I actually had fond memories of watching it as a child, but coming back to it now, it's it's hornier than I remember in all of the worst ways. Like, every adult is either incredibly stupid or definitely a pedophile. It's not good. I don't like that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think when you go back to films, you remember that were horny as a kid, like, let's say Friday the 13th, and you're like, uh, or no, I'd say, yeah, Friday the 13th is a great example of, like, it's it's over-the-top horny for a horror movie, but when you're watching, like, this is kind of fun and cheesy, I don't mind it, but coming back to this, is like, this feels like a crime, this is obviously a crime, I don't like it. Definitely,
0: I, god, yeah, no, the whole thing just makes me uh, very uncomfortable, uh, great, great great performances all around karen duffy's pulling it uh, miguel ferrer is doing a great job tone Loc, love him everyone else f- fuck off great movie oh, I can't believe eight out of five
2: tone Lock, probably since like 1997 this is so much for me to
1: deal with uh, I, I did uh, watch the music video for funky cold medina and i think that song's about drugging women
2: that's not good that's not good yeah.
1: that's not good the
3: titular medina
2: i'm gonna look that up then maybe uh why why tyler give us your review and this is gonna be five out of five murderous intent biblical child rage
3: (laughs) uh um uh i'll give it two and a half of uh the thing that you said the murderous intent biblical child rage i so you know when you're a kid and you watch the same movie over and over and over again blank check was One of those movies for me, my grandmother had, you know, just like like a handful of VHS tapes at her house that we would always watch whenever we went there. And Blank Check was the one that we always, always watched. So I've seen this movie so many times in my life and uh, I loved it as a kid and seeing it as an adult for the first time in a few years. I was like, this kid (laughs) sucks. And it's weird that he's hanging out with this like grown man who's being paid to hang out with him. And it's weird that he's, like, macking on this FBI agent who seems very into it. It's weird that apparently all you need to buy a house is a disembodied voice and a stack of cash. That's maybe. Um, a baby. Yeah. The FBI agent lady um, is
1: literally wet in this movie.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah, she gets so wet when they go on a date together. Oh, my God. Oh. There,
0: that, I mean, that little boy makes a lot of adults wet in this movie.
2: Okay, I'm going to start Juice
3: talking. multiple <laughs> really times, juice. actually. It really does. Um uh Miguel Ferrer though uh is the best part of the movie. Miguel Ferrer is always a good bad guy and it's got like a certain 90s charm to it that's just very <laughs> dumb and over the top, you know. It's not good, but it's weird enough that it could be fun to watch, you know, throw it on when you're having a late night or yeah. something.
2: I mean, I'll get into my review now too and I should say I looked up what funky cold Medina is, but I think we're going to have to just do that for the stupid game section because we're going to need some time to break this down. There's a lot going on with this song, but for my my five out of five, just knockoff actor movie, uh, just all the things that happened in this, I'm gonna give it a three out of five because it's just a little bit over the edge of where I enjoyed it because it's such a weird train wreck of a '90s film that I was I was left confused and bewildered the whole time where it kept my attention like I I couldn't look away of like wait did that just happen what's going on now like it's it feels like it's just so all over the place it demands your attention in a very interesting way it's not a good film and it's a stupid plot but like props to it for doing that also it's like a 94 minute run and any movie that's an hour and a half god bless you you thank you so much like we don't we don't need any more two hour plus movies that we have to talk about on podzuki because they're usually bad films we're watching so then yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh yeah, Tone Loke and then Miguel Ferrer, they're just having such a great time. I really enjoy the performances. It just if you if you found what we were talking about interesting, check it out on Netflix and you'll be like, Wow, that was a strange film. I would recommend drugs too, while you're doing it. Definitely should get some drugs <laughs> next day. Um but yeah, let's let's segue into the stupid game section. Quit playing stupid games. In my heart. Which, I'm introducing a new game that might be just for this, like, let's go over, let's go over this Tone Loke song.
1: And started reading about
3: Funky Cold Medina. (laughs) Uh,
2: Okay, so, this is a synopsis on Wikipedia for Funky Cold Medina, and it's... It, the, the person who wrote this was having a fun time because I think they really tried to break it down logically, which is, the song tells the story of Tone Loke's experiences with Funky Cold Medina, a potent aphrodisiac in liquid form. At the beginning of the song, Loke, or Loke uh, consults a fellow club goer who appears to be having more success with women than he is. God named Singer, uh, a stranger, informs uh, Loke that the success and the result of this to use of the Funky Cold Medina, wrote it kind of funny, which makes anyone who drinks it irresistible to others although this is later contradicted by the lyrics of the song itself uh Loke initially tests the formula on his dog who upon drinking it becomes uncharacteristically, or uncharacteristically <laughs> affectionate towards Locke and appears to track the neighborhood dogs to Locke's house i keep saying Locke and Loke. that's going to make this really confusing but i'm still going I'm still powering through this uh Locke when tries uh, the formula on a potential love interest but the love interest turns him away uh oh my god, because it's a trans woman that Loke is not attracted to, this is bad now. This is not good. His next effort involves him appearing in love connection and meeting a woman who immediately wants to marry him, which scares him away. Ultimately, Loke concludes the formula is too much trouble and resolves, and resolves to stop using it. This this is... I gotta listen to the song now. Wait, It's very
3: anti-Funky funky Cold what's Medina. What's the game?
2: I'm just reading the synopsis to, <laughs> on the Wikipedia for Funky
1: Cold Medina by Tone Loke. Okay. <laughs> I like I the, the thought of like using uh, funky cold Medina as like an expletive or like funky cold Medina.
3: Ooh, I yeah, like, that. like it's something good happens fun fun. to you. Like from like from rookie in the Rookie of the Year when the he hits the doctor in the face and the doctor yells <laughs> Funky But <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh, I love
2: that. I guess we'll do an actual game and maybe I'll we'll cut that section because it was really confusing just getting into the synopsis of that song. But I do want to ask you, uh, Tyler Jackson, how, how tall is Steve Buscemi?
3: How tall is Steve Buscemi? Uh, I'm going to guess 5'9". Uh, I have
2: excellent news for you about him.
3: Wow. Which, which is, yeah. you
2: know, you're right on the dot. So <laughs> I'm right on the dot? <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we, we've done this game many times, and how it works is we give our guests <laughs> a chance to guess his height. Whoever gets to three points first uh, wins the game. Uh, he is exactly that height because why is why is the reason we
0: love that Martin? Oh, because it's exactly four hundred and twenty. <laughs> Wait, what was it? Oh, it's sixty-nine inches. Okay. Yeah. It's oh, 69 boy. Inches, exactly. oh boy. Oh <laughs> boy. Listen, we're
2: recording this on a Monday. We got some real funky energy. Where we're I, through, sorry, so. Brandon,
0: I just feel like I got slapped by that funky cold Medina. <laughs>
2: yeah. why... Why did you even have to go out of your way to like make fun of a trans woman Excuse in a me. song in the 90s? I just don't get Brandon, that. I
0: feel like you answered it with your own question.
2: Yeah, that's very true. A leading question is basically <laughs> um, Okay, so I'm going to ask the the floor is now open to everybody. <laughs> I'm going to go around and ask you the height, but how tall do you all think Miguel Ferreira is? I'm going to start with Tyler since he's our guest. 5'11" Okay, so it's, uh, I like that's a solid. He looks like an, uh, an uh, average ha- uh, like height to maybe a little bit taller. Kind of around there. Uh, Martin, how, how tall do you think McGill is? Uh,
0: I want to say five foot seven.
2: Okay, I like that. He, he kind of maybe a shorter stature to him on film sometimes. And then, uh, Luke, what are you thinking? Yeah, I'll just go an even 6 feet. Alright, I think we're going to have to introduce a new rule, which is if you get it on the dot, you get an extra 2 points. Because I'm going to give you 2 points right now, Luke. It is 6 feet exactly. 6... Zero, looking at the height of Miguel Ferrer. Well done, um, Luke. Yeah, I think I think we all know what we're gonna do for the order of this because, of course, I'm gonna have to ask you all now how tall is Tone Loke? Ooh, he was the baby
1: in Baby's kids. You know that? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. It was Sea uh, Bear on Sea Bear and Jamal. Oh yeah, that too. He was the uh, lizard and Fern Gully. <laughs> this is not the rules of Tone Loke. This is the height <laughs> of Tone Loke, guys. <laughs> yeah, um, hey, t- uh, Tyler, you start.
3: Uh, how tall is Tone Luke? Uh, six one.
2: Okay, yeah, he's got a, he's got a big persona on screen. I can see this. This is making sense. Martin, what do you? I'm thinking? gonna
0: go six foot even.
2: Six foot even. Okay, I'm <clears> gonna <looking throat> it. And then Luke, what are you thinking? Uh,
1: seven feet. He's a giant. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I'll say five ten. I don't know. Well, I think we're we're
2: gonna wrap this up pretty quick because uh, Luke got closest. I'm not doing that Price is Right bullshit of if you go over, it's whoever's closest because he's at five nine. Luke, you're you're really good at guessing these heights, man. You're you're crushing it today. Wow. <laughs> wow.
3: I thought you were gonna say he's seven feet tall. 5 fo, funky, pole Medina. Uh,
2: that's about it for like the stupid game section. For what I really wanted to get into. But I think uh, I, I would love to get us into some recommendation and plugs now that we're getting towards the, end of the podcast here. Recommendations. I, I have one in, in the can, but I also don't want to kick it off because I feel like I've been talking a lot this episode. Um, so I'm going to give this off to Martin. If you've been, uh, anything you've been wanting to recommend, can be anything a feeling an emotion a video game blank check
0: (laughs) i I, i'm pretty sure i recommended this a few episodes back but it's still probably favorite anime i saw all of uh, 2021 Uh, go watch odd taxi it's only 13 episodes long and it's real it's a real good self-contained like satisfying story i just can't recommend it enough go watch odd taxi it's adorable
2: yeah, I'm going to hop on and say that you should absolutely check it out. I was telling Martin, because he recommended and I mean, I watched it and I loved it, but it feels like if you had a bunch of cute little uh, animal characters, well-animated, acting out a script written by Haruka Murakami, uh, it's, it's real bizarre and dark, but it's so good.
1: Luke, um, go,
2: I'm going to say, Luke, go for
1: it. I don't really have much of anything. Uh, watch Star Trek. That's my recommendation. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I mean, you really can't go wrong if you're going with any of the main series ones, you know? Yeah, the, so the, uh, the uh, original cast movies I've the uh, past since I had COVID, and then the restaurant closed down for a week. i just been watching all the Star Trek movies. Yeah, I've
2: only seen Wrath of Khan, because it's the one that they always tell you to check out, but I, I've heard the other ones are pretty fun, too, so... I, I like the I'll first one.
1: <laughs>
3: I'll
2: get around to it one of these days. Tyler, have you had anything that you've been wanting to recommend or a plug coming up here, too?
3: Um, I... I... Got this new board game that's pretty fun. It's called That Time You Ooh, Killed Me. It's a great name. It's, uh, it's... So the the idea of it is, like, you're the person that invented time travel, but then another version of you time travels to where you are and says that they invented time travel. So then you have to travel through time and kill each other so you can be the the one person that invented time travel. I say all that, but it's essentially just kind of like time travel Isn't chess. It just the
1: plot to uh, um, Loki? I mean, I guess kind of. <laughs> That's a really fun Sort of. of. Game.
3: Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like You have like three different boards for the past, present, and future, and each board starts with one piece on it. And you can travel forward in time and jump to another board, or you can travel backwards in time. And whenever you do that, the extra piece that... Since the extra piece that you have in the past board would age up to be in the future board anyway, it makes, like, a copy of you, so then you can, like, generate new pieces by traveling back in time, and there's all these, like, different features that you unlock as you play. Like, you can, like, plant a seed in the past, and then it grows into a tree, and then you can push it on somebody to kill <laughs> them. It's, it's very weird, um, and it is very hard to think about when you're playing it, but I played a couple games with a friend last week, and it was very fun. Yeah. It sounds uh, that sounds fun. sounds like it's
2: really really I uh, I gotta check that out. I um I'm gonna come in hot with a, a pretty hot uh, recommendation. I've been I've been playing a game a little game called Inscription. Here's the thing, I can't tell you anything of I can't Ooh. tell you anything about this game. It is an insane narrative that opens up the more you play it. I haven't had an experience with a video game like this since maybe like Undertale, where the more you play, it, you realize that, like it's kind of doing things outside of the actual game that you have to pay attention to and uh it's so fun and inventive and just so well done that i would i would i would be upset with myself if i gave anything away about it but if you like spooky games that get creepy as you go that seem like they're just a normal thing but then you're pulling out teeth for some reason this is a game for you that's as far as i will say anything about it. It, it it's so good it's so goddamn good i uh I mean, for sure. Like, if I played it in 2021, it would have been game of the year. But if if it's 2022, I'm already saying I played. I started playing it on January first. Game of the year already, man. It's it's insanely good. It's so good.
3: That's the same guy that did Pony Island and the Hex, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, the Hex was. I haven't played Pony Island, but the Hex is great. I love. The I still Hex. gotta check out all these real, games. Yeah, real. It's just it's so
2: inventive, and the story itself is so cool with how it does everything. I it, gotta check it out. And also, if you're thinking about playing it, just play it. Don't spoil anything about it. Cool. Uh, Yeah, I I don't think we're going to really have any plugs because we're in another wave of COVID. And that's just how it kind of breaks out right now. Yeah. Hey, maybe by the time this comes out, we're in better times. So we'll see in the bright, fun, shiny future. Uh, You know, everything's good. But I think if if you're ready to do the sign-off, I think I'm ready to do the sign-off. Yeah, sure. Okay, here we go. You ready? Three, Two, two, one. One.
0: You're going to like the you're, way you're I like fuck. You're going to like the
2: way you I fuck. fuck. Guarantee it. We had it for like two episodes, <laughs> which is really nice.
3: We regret that you have not yet complied with our order.
2: This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture.
1: Say <laughs> throat.